Hello and welcome to Yes, You Are Brave. This is a podcast where we are going to set off on a journey together to find and build our brave, where we explore all the ways that you have been brave and all the ways that you can be brave again. Because even though we may have forgotten or we may have fallen out of practice, we're all brave. And I'm on a mission to prove it and help you believe that yes, you are brave. Hello, hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Yes, You Are Brave. I'm Pawnee, I'm your host. So excited that you are here. I have my good friend Christy Modero here from the Awaken the Extraordinary podcast, and she is an amazing person. Cannot wait to get started. So thank you so much for being here, Christy. Let's jump right in and talk brave. Um, so why don't you just tell us a little bit, like, a little bit about you, like you in like two minutes, and then then we'll go from there. Oh gosh, I'm so long-winded. Two minutes can be hard. Not that uh, <laughs> not that there's like I'm so arrogant that's like wow, there's just so much about me. Um, but I I'm 45. I grew up. I was born and grew up in San Diego, California, for nine months. Uh, in my let's see, in my late 20s, I think I lived in LA, and uh, then moved back home for a number of reasons, Uh, grew up with two parents and a sister who's nine years older. She is technically my half sister. So she is my uh, mom's daughter from her first marriage, but I never like felt like, oh, she's my half sister. Like she's my sister. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Um, My dad adopted her when I think she was like four and then I came around uh, five years later. Um, she and I weren't very close. I always like felt like she kind of um, resented me. And as I got older, I began to wonder like how much of that was actually true versus how much of that actually came from my mom telling me she's jealous of you or don't say this because you don't want her to be upset. So I didn't have the relationship with her that I wished I could have had. Um, And my home, like I thought it was just like everybody else's home. There was a lot of like arguing and yelling and I was left alone like a lot Um, while my parents argued. And so I would just go into my room and find ways to, I guess, soothe myself or just tune everything out. Um, so I, I became like an avid reader and I remember like, oh my gosh, I loved like the babysitters club and sweet Valley high and like Nancy drew, but like not the old Nancy drew, although I would read those, they, they came up with like a new revamped, like Nancy drew that kind of looked like Jessica and Elizabeth Wakefield from Sweet Valley High. Like they just made her like cool. She was maybe like in her teens, early 20s. Like I I loved, I loved those books. And I just, I don't know. Like that was just kind of my escape. I also wrote a lot as a kid. And uh I don't know. I was very, very much introverted. Like I was always that kid in the back of the class. Like I didn't want any attention on me for any reason. And um, that pretty much continued up until like really my thirties. 
when I think I started to just feel more confident and more comfortable in my own skin and realize that what other people think of me isn't actually who I am. Like who I am is who I am. And everybody's going to have a different version of me. Um, and what they think of me ultimately doesn't matter. It's what I, what I think of me and how I feel about myself and what I'm doing. And I'm glad that I kind of had those realizations in my thirties because I feel like that really did prepare me to like be a mom and be really assertive and stand up for myself when I needed to, because that wasn't something that I was allowed to do as a kid. So I feel like who I am now is who I really always was. I just had to have permission from really my mom Mm -hmm. to be the person that I wanted to be. And I never had that permission. And then once I kind of was like, I don't care, then I felt more comfortable to just be me. So that's that's interesting. That's, I love that you realize you didn't need permission. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, she, my mother is a narcissist and understanding her childhood. I understand why she is the way that she is. Mm -hmm. Um, as a kid, I didn't. And I had a counselor just a few years ago, um, also explain like our relationship to me in a way that I'd never thought of before. And she said, you know, your mom sees you as an appendage or an extension of herself. She doesn't see you as your own person, like who you are and what you do is always a reflection of her. And you are there to make her comfortable, to make her happy. And that was my job. And that was my job. Like as a kid, if she and my dad argued, it was my job to listen to what the argument was about. Sometimes telling me like really inappropriate things, um, I didn't like feeling the tension, so I would always try to make her laugh. And I feel like that's where my sense of humor probably developed from. And I'm totally okay with that. Like, I'm just like, I I like that I'm like this jokey person a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I had, I had to be a certain way to be able to function in my home as a kid And because I also lived with my parents off and on until I was about 30, I still had to be that person because I had to be able to survive in a home that wasn't comfortable. And if you didn't do something that my mom thought you should do, then there was hell to pay. Like she would just be awful. Um, Like she would yell, she would give you the silent treatment, like she would just be bitchy and naggy. Like it was, it, she just made it very uncomfortable for anybody who did something that she wasn't in agreement with. And so she and I would butt heads, but I would like pick my battles with her. Um, it was like, well, do I feel like I could deal with this today? No, then that's fine. I will just do whatever it is like is going to make her happy. But that's at like the cost of 
me and my happiness and doing what felt right to me, you know? So when was it you felt like you started actually setting boundaries and what led to that? So I I think throughout my whole life, I tried, um, but then there was like the wrath, you -hmm. know? Um, And I think once I was no longer under her roof, that made it easier. But they moved to Arizona in October of 2012. And I thought that that would shift the dynamics of our relationship. You know, I thought like, okay, cause she, like, she'll talk to you on the phone. And if you say something that like, she doesn't like, she'll yell at you. And then she'll just hang up. Even if you're just trying to talk to her, like, it's just, it's just right. She's just, pissed and she's yelling and she's defensive and she'll just hang up. And I can't stand that. I think that's like so disrespectful. Like, it's just, I can't stand that. And so our, our dynamic, like the relationship dynamic shifted a bit when they moved, like at least now I wasn't like, Christy, you have to be here at like seven o'clock. And if I wasn't there by like six 45, I was getting calls like, where are you? Why aren't you here? And I, I mean, it was, it was just, it was awful. Like every Christmas I would have to, we would go up to LA for my like husband's family gathering Christmas Eve. And then my niece who would be spending like Christmas with her dad. And then like my sister, like she would, let's say have Christmas morning at our house. And I lived there my husband, we weren't married at the time. He lived there. My sister lived there. My niece lived there. So it was like this whole big family thing. And even though I was in LA, like at, in my late twenties, like living my life, although under my parents' roof with my husband, husband, boyfriend, I would have to be home by 10 or by like 9am on Christmas day so that I could watch my niece, like open her presents before she went to her dad's. And like my mom would be calling us at like 8 a.m. or 7.30. Like, have you guys left yet? Where in the freeway are you? You guys better get here. You know, she has to go to her dad's. Like, I'm not asking too much. And I'm like, this is coming from the grandmother. Like, this isn't even coming from the mom. And so it's like Christmas wasn't even like enjoyable because we were in this rat race. And so there were times where I was like, she's not my child. And that would like, piss her off. Like, so those are the moments where like, I would stand up to her and there was just like hell to pay. So like I said, I would like, she kicked me out at one point too, because she was trying to put this guilt trip on me that I needed to spend more time with my niece. And I was just like, she's not my child. Like I spend time with her. I'm present when I'm with her, but she's not my child. And I don't appreciate you trying to put a guilt trip on me because that's what you're doing. Oh my gosh. She went off. She called me a selfish bitch. She told me like, just to get out of the house. And so then the next day, like she left a voicemail on my voicemail at my office telling me that, um, cause we had met in the kitchen earlier that morning and I said, hello. And she grunted in response. And I was like, well, that's mature. You know, I didn't say that, but I was just like, okay, but I said, hello. 
she grunted. And I was like, okay. So then I get to work and I have this voicemail on my voicemail at work that I listened to on speaker because I didn't realize that it was from my mommy. And, uh, she's like, if you can't be civil, then you can pack your shit and get out. So I got my best friend. We packed up my dogs, my cat, and I stayed with her for two weeks. And then at that point we were moving up to LA. I was moving up to LA with, with Eli. And I didn't, I didn't talk to her for three months when we did that. And she was so mad, like hearing about it, like from my dad and stuff, like she was livid that I did exactly what she said. Like she, like I called her bluff, you know, like she was Mm -hmm. like, if you don't like it. And I'm like, no, I don't. And so I left and I moved up to LA. Like I didn't pack my, my husband, Eli at the time, like, well, he's still Eli, but like he (laughs) and his friend, they went into the bedroom and packed the stuff. Like I even came and met them outside and brought them lunch, but I didn't go in the house. And she was pissed. And I remember my dad calling me and going, I know you didn't do anything wrong, but can you just apologize? And I said, no, because that's what everyone's been doing. Like my entire existence is like apologizing to her, even though we didn't do something, anything wrong. We didn't do anything to apologize for him. Like all I said was, she's not my child. Like stop trying to put this guilt trip on me, which is what she's doing. And she didn't like it. So then she told me if I didn't like stuff, um, then I should pack up and leave. So I did what she asked me to do. So there's nothing for me to apologize for. And he just like sighed. And so for like three months, I didn't talk to her. And then I got a new car and my dad found out and my mom called me to like, congratulate me on getting a new car. And then she just acted like nothing had ever happened. So that's probably the first instance where I was just like, no, like I'm going to stand my ground and she didn't like it. And I was like, doesn't matter to me. I'm not even around you. Like I don't have to deal with you, but there were always like those moments where I would try to establish boundaries and she didn't like that. Like there was also a time, um, when like after that, Eli and I had broken up for a while and I moved back home and it was the same stuff. Like she was telling me that like, I couldn't come into the kitchen after 9 PM. Like I had a curfew at like 31 years old. I had a curfew of 9 PM and I didn't have my own room. I was sleeping on a couch in the living room. When my niece would go to her dad's, then I could use her room, but I had like no, no privacy. And so if I was on the phone, she would get mad because I would sit in the driveway on the phone and talk to whoever it was I was talking to. She would say my dogs would bark. So then I would go inside and I would get my dogs and I would keep them in the car with me. They were nine and 10 pounds. They didn't care as long as they had a blanket (laughs) or something to curl up in. They didn't care. So I would take them into the car and just sit in the driveway and talk. And that would make her mad too. I don't know why, but that didn't make her happy. So, so there was like a situation where I was, you know, I, I was dealing with that and having like, I didn't even have a, a curfew in high school. And I was like, I have a curfew at nine o'clock now. And so 
she had, um, she had just kind of pushed me too far. And I remember, uh, a guy I was dating at the time was just like super generous. And I told him, I'm like, I, I want to move out. I just don't have any money for like a deposit. Like I wasn't making very much and I had a ton of credit card bills. And so he gave me money like as a deposit and I came home one day and she was pretending to read a letter or she was reading a letter from dear Abby. And she was like, dear Abby, our adult daughter like lives at home and doesn't like any of our rules and blah, blah, blah. And so it was like, dear so-and-so, well, I would suggest that like, if your daughter doesn't like your rules then she shouldn't be living there. And like, and, and I, at first I was like, did she really write into dear Abby? You know, like I was just, because it was with the exception of a couple of things, it was like our situation. Mm-hmm. And my dad was there, my sister was there and my niece was there. And so I'm just sitting there. It was funny. Like it was literally, as soon as I walked in the door, it was like, Chris, can you come in here? And so I like come in and she's saying that. And then, and then, so I had my place, like I, I had put the deposit down. I had my place. They didn't know that yet. So she's reading the letter and then she puts the newspaper down and she goes, is it funny? And I said, oh my gosh, it is funny. I said, and you know, what's funnier. I said, is that I found a place to live and I'm going to be moving out in two weeks because the article said, if she doesn't like it, then she can move out. And that's when she said, isn't that funny? And that's when I said, yeah, it is funny. And you know, what's funny. And, and both she and my dad at the same time go, what? and they were mad because she had told me like, if you don't like it, you can leave. So I didn't like it. So I left and she got mad again. So that's just to me again, that's like me, like going, no, you like, you can't keep treating me this way. And if you're going to like continue doing this, then I'll find some way. So then she was like, well, how'd you get the money for that? And I said, I'd been saving it. And I did. My friend gave me the money and I saved it in my dresser drawer. And she goes, <laughs> I didn't tell her that though. And mm-hmm. I said, I've been saving it. Well, her name was on my bank account. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, oh, and Pawnee, I'm like 31 or 32. And she's like, oh, she's like, so if I call the bank tomorrow, they're going to tell me that you've been saving this money. And I said, why would you call the bank? Like, that's none of your business. Like you want rent. I pay you rent. Like you have no business going into my bank account. And she's like, well, you've been saving it. She's like, I'm going to call the bank tomorrow and I'm going to find out because this was a weekend. So I called the bank the next day and I said, so if my mom calls, you would be able to give her information. And they're like, yeah, because her name is on your bank account. So I'm like, fine, I'm closing this account and I'll open up another one. So I did that. I don't know if she ever (laughs) called, but I did it right away. And, um, those were just the types of things. And so when I moved out again, she was mad. So that's kind of, I don't know if that really answered your question, but it's just, it's just been like incremental until I got to the point where I was like, like no more. I talk a lot. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're a great storyteller. (laughs) Doesn't feel like you're talking a lot. Um, (laughs) That is, crazy um so like how do you feel like you got to where you were able to establish boundaries and did they 
finally get to the point where they respected the boundaries or? Yes. So, so like fast forward, um, you know, to when they moved to Arizona, her, you know, posting passive aggressive things on Facebook, me calling her out on it, like her hanging up on me, like getting mad. So like all that, then I get pregnant. Then it's like questioning me all and they're in Arizona and I'm in California. And then it's questioning me about all of the choices that I'm making, the foods I'm eating, the foods that I'm not eating. Should I be working out? Should I not be working out? And I really thought she wanted me to just sit on my butt and gain like a hundred pounds and eat crap and not work out. Like, I think that would have made her happy. Like I really do. And I don't think she liked that I was almost 40, that I was running 10Ks and half marathons like while I was pregnant. Like, I just don't think she liked any of that because Mm -hmm. I think it made her feel a certain way about herself. And I don't have control over that, you know? And like, she is, she is not in a good state of health. And I, I think there are reasons for that, but that's still not my thing. And my thing isn't to make her comfortable. It's just to be me. And so there was a lot of questioning, even when um, my doctor was talking to us about vaccinations, um, you know, about like, like pneumonia or Tdap or whatever it, it was and the flu. And so the doctor was like saying, you know, if these people are going to be around your child, like when he's born, especially because he's born at the end of November and that's like cold flu season, like these are things that we recommend the people that are going to be around him like do. And my aunt and my cousin didn't want to do that. And I said, okay, I totally respect that. That aunt is my mom's sister. Mm-hmm. And I said, I totally respect that. Just know, like, you're probably not going to see him for six months. And I, I'm a new mom. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I don't know. So I'm like relying on the guidance of my doctor. And when I told my mom that and that they didn't want to do it, there was constant pressure, constant pressure from her Pawnee. Like nearly every other time we talked about me going back on that. And I said, so you're expecting me to potentially endanger my newborn child's health because you, you don't want Susan's feelings. That's my aunt. You don't want Susan's feelings to be hurt. I go, this is my child. My job is to protect him. If this is what the doctor is recommending and I trust her, this is what I'm going to do. And she didn't seem to have any issue with it. And I respect her decision. And so the final straw came when she would do that. She would do this all the time. And I said, I'm not having this conversation with you anymore. Like, you're not going to change my mind. I'm done. And we had gone. So at this point, um, my son is born and she was still trying to convince me to change my mind so that my aunt and my cousin could see him. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing this. So for me, like the breaking point there was we were going to a baby sign language class and Eli had taken off work to meet us there. And my mom called me and left me a message that I made the mistake of listening to before the class, which was again, like trying to guilt me and shame me into changing my mind. And I was so upset. Like 
I couldn't focus on the class. I had to go to the bathroom and cry. And I was just like, this is so unfair. Like she's not respecting me. She's not respecting like the fact that I'm a mom and I'm trying to do the best thing. Like what she cares about is wanting what she wants to happen, you know, and she's caring about my aunt's feelings more than hers. And she's like, you know, because Susan keeps asking me, you know, why, why? So like I got home and I called my aunt and I said, I got this message from my mom. And I said, it sounds like you still have an issue with this. And I said, and I never thought you had an issue. And she's like, oh my gosh, no. She's like, I respect what you, you know, like I respect you. I respect your choices. She's like, we'll see him when you're comfortable with us seeing him. And I was like, so then why is my mom continuing to bring this up? So the next time my mom brought it up, I said, you know, what's funny. I said, is I called Susan like last week. I said, after you left me that message, I said, I called her last week and she doesn't have an issue with it. So if she doesn't have an issue, why do you have an issue? And she was like dead quiet. Cause it's like, I was like, no, I'm just, you're saying this person has an issue. I'm just going to go right to her. So I don't think she expected me to do that. And then, um, like once Milo started eating, then it was like, well, he should be eating this. He shouldn't be eating this. You should be giving him rice cereal. Why are you giving him avocado? We gave you rice cereal. You were fine. Well, it was just like constant, constant. And so I stopped responding. Like I stopped responding to her about stuff like that. And then there was one night where I don't know if she had posted something on Facebook or she had called or texted and Eli told her like what we were feeding him or something. It was a conversation they were having. And I was like, what did she say? And he's like, oh, she was asking this. So I told her that. And I said, I really wish she wouldn't have done that. And he's like, why? And I said, because she's, I'm going to hear about it because she doesn't agree with what we're doing. So then (laughs) 10 minutes later, I hear him sigh. And I go, what? And he picks up my phone and there is this long text message from my mother. You'd better call the pediatrician. You'd better take him off of iron. You'd better do this. You'd better do that. And so I was like, I was fired up. So I called her and I said, you do not get to tell me what I am doing with my child. And I was like, I just went off. I said, I am so tired of you and your self-righteousness. You acting like everything that you do is right. And she's like, excuse me. And so I said, why don't I said, if you think I'm such a bad parent mother, I go, why don't we talk about you and dad as bad parents? And when I was 14, each of them in their own, like completely different things, put me in a situation where I was having to keep secrets from them. So it's like, I knew something about my dad and I couldn't tell my mom and I knew something about my mom and I couldn't tell my dad. And I I was dealing with this at the age of 14 and I didn't tell anybody about it until I went to a therapist at the age of 16. And I said, so if you want to talk about shitty parents, I'm like, let's talk about shitty parents. And so I brought up what she did. And I brought up what my dad did. And I said, how dare you 
treat me like this as a 14 year old child? How dare you put me in this position as a 14 year old child? And I said, you guys like you, you have no place to criticize me because the position that you both put me in, I will never, ever put my son in that position. And she goes, you should be ashamed of yourself. And I said, no mother. I said, both of you should be ashamed of yourselves. And I hung up the phone and then she tried to call me back. And then my dad tried to call me back and I didn't answer the phone. And then everything that I ever wanted to say to her, I wrote in a 35 page letter over the course of a month and I mailed it to her and I didn't speak to her for over a year. Wow. And in the letter, I said, I love you. You're my mother, but you need to respect me. And if you can't do that, if you don't recognize that there's, if you don't see that there's any issue with how you treat me, that's fine. Like, that's not my job, like to make you, to make you change. Mm -hmm. But if you want a relationship with me, you need to be different. And if you don't want to be different, that's fine. Then we're not going to have a relationship. And I didn't talk to her for a year. And really my dad either. Um, the stuff that my mom put me through when I was 14, she and I had talked about it over the years. But my dad, my dad and I had never talked about that particular thing. I had a counseling session with him when I was 16 where I confronted him and we never spoke about it after. And so I wanted an opportunity to address that stuff with him as an adult. And so about a month later, I told him, um, there are some things I need to talk to you about too. And I need to talk to you as like an adult and an adult with their own child. And um, that that conversation ended with like him being apologetic, but ended up with me being the one that needed to seek counseling and me needing um, me having the issues with control. So I didn't talk to him for a really long time either. So, wow, that's <laughs> so were they better at the boundaries after when you start talking to them again? Well, I told them, stuff? so they, they wanted, and I had told them in my letter, I said, if you guys still want to like FaceTime with Milo, like I'm not going to, I am not going to begrudge any, my, my child of anyone who wants to love him in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. So I said, if you guys still want to chat with him, then you can do that through Eli. And so they would do that occasionally. And, um, eventually it got to a point where my mom was in and out of the hospital and they wanted to talk to me. And I said, okay, well, before we act like everything's okay, like we need to talk about that letter. And it was like, oh, it broke my mom's heart, which I, I totally get. It's so funny though. My best friend that I've known since I was seven, she was, the, the, when I confronted my parents about their stuff, I went and stayed at her house. So she's been with me through like literally everything. And she had asked to read the letter. And so I gave it to her and she's like, wow, it's actually way more nice and respectful. than I expected." <laughs> and I'm like, I'm talking about how I feel, but I'm like, I'm not like calling her like names or anything. Like, that's not what I do. Like, that's what I do in the moment when I'm mad, but I try not to do that. But I'm like, 
the letter was about like just me having an opportunity to talk about how I feel because I could never do that. Mm-hmm. And so, so in that letter, you know, like my dad's like, it broke her heart. And so she told me the same thing. And I'm like, I understand. I understand. I said a lot of things that probably didn't feel good to, to read, but that's how I felt. So we talked about it. And I still, to this day, do not feel like they understand. Um, they have like maybe like a 20% understanding of everything that I felt and how it's impacted me and why certain things were unacceptable. Um, but my mother does not lecture me anymore. She doesn't hang up on me. She might in the hospital, like if she's in the hospital, she'd be like, Oh, someone's coming in. I have to go. And I don't know if she's telling me the truth or not, but she doesn't hang up with me out of anger. Like she doesn't yell at me. She doesn't tell me like what I should and shouldn't be doing. She doesn't give me a guilt trip for not calling her because our relationship has totally changed. And it's not like it's warm and fuzzy, Mm -hmm. but they, they understand that I don't want to be close to them. I love them and I care about them, but us pretending to be like this, this close, like warm and fuzzy family. Like, I don't want that because to me, like that's fake. And that's not the type of relationship that I have with them. Um, and I think like they get it. So it's like, I won't talk to them for weeks and I don't get a guilt trip when I call. I used to, I don't anymore. They're like, Oh, we understand like you're busy and you know, And I don't feel bad because emotionally I'm better not having as frequent of communication with them. Um, And I think one of, one of the big things for me too, was I didn't want my son to see me allowing people to treat me, especially like the way my mom treated me. And I like, I didn't like the person that I was like when I would get off the phone with her because he deserved better. Like he didn't deserve to deal with all of the shit that I felt because of how she treated me. And Mm -hmm. I think that like, it was just so much anger that had built up over the years. But I was also like, I have this person that deserves the best of me. And these people don't make me the best. Mm-hmm. They, they bring out like the worst side of me and I don't want him ever thinking that just because like someone is family or someone is older, that they have a right to disrespect him and all he can do is take it. I don't. And the best way for me to teach him that is by showing him that. And I saw my mom be manipulated by my grandmother. And so she's just continuing that cycle. I'm also seeing it with my sister and my niece, and I'm not going to do that to him. Mm-hmm. And so the best way for me to stop that is like to not do that to him, but to also make it so that I don't allow people in my family to continue treating me that way too. I love that. I love that you recognize this is a pattern that I don't want to continue. And I love that you decided I don't have to. Mm -hmm. I love that, that, that decision of 
this is this doesn't have to continue with me. Other people like I think sometimes we get in that a lot of people are like, oh, well, this is just the way my family is. And but it doesn't have to be. No. You, I think I love that you took back the power and said, I have a choice in the way that my life I gets to be lived mm-hmm. and the way that my what I teach my son. And I love that. So how you're teaching him how to let how people how would you say that? Teaching him how to teach people to treat him. Exactly. And that's what, and that's what boundaries are. Like boundaries are your way of teaching people, like how to interact with you, what you, what you tolerate, like what you don't tolerate, even like at work, you know, it's like, you have those people that are working at 10 o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. And for me, like when I came back, I went out on stress leave in 2021 and I came back and I told them, I'm like, I'm not working until seven or eight o'clock at night. Like I'm not working on the weekends. If you want, like occasionally, if there is something, I will do that. But since I came back from stress leave in August of 2021, I think I've worked outside of regular hours, like three times, whereas before it was all the time. And I've put up that boundary and I'm like, if you don't like it, that's totally okay. If it doesn't work for you, that's totally okay. Then I'm not the right fit. And we'll figure something out. And it's just, I think just boundaries are so important. And I think being able to recognize, like you said, that like, okay, this is a pattern of behavior in my family. This is a cycle. And I actually have a choice. Like, I don't have to continue this. And that's what's been really interesting about me watching my sister with my niece is because so much of the stuff that drove her crazy about our mom, she's doing the exact same thing. It's crazy. It's crazy. But I don't think I really like credit, like the counselor I had when I was 16, like the therapist, like I actually am going to write her a letter. I was telling my husband that the other night, um, just thanking her because I think it gave me a different level of awareness because of the the stuff that I had gone through and talking through things and having to talk about like how I felt about things. I think I was at an age where I was open to like, oh, okay. Okay. So like how I feel like it actually does matter and how this is impacting me. Like it does matter. And I feel like that was probably like the first time in my life where I ever really felt that way. And so I think that one got me comfortable with therapy. And then the the more I did therapy, I just became more, I think, aware of like what I was doing and the choices I was making. And then I think what really like catapulted me into a different way of thinking was having a child and really reflecting on my childhood. Like, I remember asking my sister questions, like, did we do things? Like, what was it like at home? Like, I just started looking at things from a different perspective because I had, I had this kid that I was like, I don't want him to experience like those same things. I don't want to put him in those same positions. He, he deserves better than that. And I think it's very easy to, to repeat those cycles of behavior, because I feel like it's like ingrained in us to some degree. And it's just more comfortable. Like you don't have to work as hard because it's like, well, this is just, this is how we are. Like you Mm -hmm. said, and for me to be really mindful and intentional with my son, 
it's like a lot of work. Like I feel like a hamster, like on a wheel. Cause it's just like, your, your mind is working so much so that like, you're thinking about like what you're doing and, you know, certain things have gotten easier, but it's like, I'm still like, okay, this is how I responded to him. Like, is this how I want to respond to him? Or next time, should I say this? Or could I have done this differently? Like, I just, I think about things where I don't feel like, and I could be totally wrong, but I don't feel like my parents did. They just did. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know if they thought afterwards. And I think, and then I do most of the time, not all the time, but it's, I think it's harder to try to change like those patterns of behavior than to just go with what you, you know, because it's what you, you know, it's what you've seen. It's what you felt. It's what you've experienced, you know? Yeah. I can see it being, it is a lot of work, but I love what you said that they deserve. He does. You said he deserves better. And I would go one step further. You finally realize that you also deserve better. Yeah. And you've realized in, in realizing and thinking that, okay, I want him to have better because I feel like he deserves better. And that also, maybe I'm wrong. It sparked the, the realization that, wait, that means that I also deserve mm-hmm. better. Exactly. So I think that that's the thing is realizing that we're, we deserve, you do deserve better and that you're worth the work that it takes to, to change these patterns and to put up the boundaries and to maintain the boundaries. (laughs) I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, It's, I mean, that's, it's true. And that's why, you know, that's, that's part of why, like I started the podcast. That's part of why we moved to Montana. Like I was like, I, I deserve to live somewhere where I'm happy and I'm comfortable. And I feel like feeds my soul and where we were living did not feel that way. And I was like, I deserve this and my family deserves better, you know, and it, it is hard. And there, there are times where it's like, I'll talk to my mom and I, I, I kind of do go back into a mode uh, because I'm so open. Like I'll go back into like the mode where it's kind of like the old Christy with her, where it's like, I'll just like divulge certain things. Mm-hmm. And then she'll say something and I'm like, oh yeah, well, I shouldn't have said that. Like I put myself in that position. Mm-hmm. And so I realized like, okay, I have to rein it back in. Like I never let it go too far. Um, yeah. But it's been really interesting to me how, because I changed how I interact with them, like how they interact with me changes. Like if you had ever told me, like, do you ever think your mom is going to stop like guilt tripping you for not calling or, and I would have been like, no. And like, since we talked after that letter, like she hasn't done it a single time. Yeah. And it's no, she has, I take that back. Because she hadn't seen my son. Like she never, there's a whole story to that too. But she didn't meet my son until he was like four. And she would guilt trip me. And I was like, it's not going to work. Like, it's not going to work. Like you, you were supposed to see him. You didn't make, like you didn't follow up or you put yourself in positions where you couldn't see him. And I have a day job and I would straight up tell her, I'm like, I'm not going to feel guilty. It's not my thing you know? And it's like, well, what do you say when someone says that, you know? I love that. You just took that like guilt trip power away that like, 
You're like, no, I'm not going on this trip. You're, <laughs> you're trying to send me down. Like, yeah, I'm like, I want to go on lots of trips, but a guilt one, like that's not one of them. And it's really made me hyper aware of just even in our culture, like I, I talk about like guilt, shame, and um, guilt, shame, and something else. Um, oh, guilt, shame, and fear. Mm-hmm. Like those are to me, like that's the holy trinity of manipulation and getting someone to do what you want them to do. And so it's like, when I think about like, like parenting, it's like, the, those are all tactics that were used with me is like, oh, well, you know, wait till your father comes home or, you know, like you don't want to see me mad. And then, you know, the, the blaming, like, okay, you're, you're to blame for all of this stuff, like how I'm feeling, it's your fault. And then just the, the guilt, you know, like the shame part, it's just, that's so prevalent. And I feel like even in our culture, when you look at everything, it's like, those are the three tactics that are used most often to try to get someone or a group of people to do something that other people want them to do. So it's made me like hypersensitive to what I see going on in the world. It's made me like hypersensitive to living with my in-laws. Like it's just, <laughs> I, I just see it everywhere. And I, I try really hard to not like do that with my son and to do that with other people. And it's not to say like, I'm not going to mess up or I haven't messed up, but um, I, I don't, I don't want my relationships with people to be about that, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that there's there's this there's a di- a huge difference between like I'm really trying and I mess up every once in a while because I'm a human and I'm just using this because it's a tool that I want to to manipulate you and I think people can feel the difference. Yeah, know? I think people yeah. can feel she's really trying and this yes it happens every once in a while, um, but that's not who she is. That's who you know. That's just yeah. It's <laughs> just it's just, just being human. Yeah, just being human. Yeah. And I think yeah. that that's. That's a beautiful change that you've made and that you're putting out into the world of helping, I don't know, just making a change for you. And that little, the ripple effect that that's going to have, I think is, is awesome because, you you know, you're, you know, you, you make this change and then of course it's your, your son. And then, you know, how, who knows how big this is going to go. And I think that's awesome just by how brave you've been in setting boundaries with your family, that this can have such a huge Yeah. Well, thank you. And just one other thing I want to say is like, I do, I do get sad at times because I, I see these people that have these great relationships with their parents Mm -hmm. and I'm never going to have that. You know, I like, I think about my son and it sounds kind of like egotistical, but I'm like, does he realize how lucky he is? (laughs) You know, because I'm like, I, I can say without like any, any qualms, like I am literally doing like the best I can to be his mom, like to be the mom that I I think he needs and the mom I want to be. And it drives me crazy when people like about my parents will say, well, they did the best they could. And I'm like, I don't know that they did. And because so many people don't know what I've been through, what I've experienced. I'm like, I don't know that you can know, like, if you knew this stuff that you could really like say that, Yeah, you know, I, I think there's stuff that they maybe did do their best at, but I think 
there are certain things that like they didn't do their best. Like they they just didn't. And I I just want my son to know like that I've like I am doing my best, you know? Yeah. And I think that that's I think he will I don't I don't know if he knows how lucky he is now. Eventually, <laughs> he's maybe, a young. And maybe and maybe he won't, you know. No, I think he will. I think I think people go out into the world and then they realize how lucky they are, you know, especially when they've got great parents like you. They he'll realize eventually when he realizes that the way that you have raised him and you have taught him to be and set boundaries and all these type of things is not the norm. It is an exception. And he will realize how beautiful that exception is. He, he will eventually. <laughs> yeah. It's going to take him and, a while. <laughs> and it's like, and I think like I say that because it's like, it's kind of like, you know, you, I have a different level of appreciation for how I am parenting him because of how I was parented. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I don't know that he's going to have that same level of appreciation unless he knows that there's like something different out there, you know? And like you said, like if he knows about my experiences or, you know, he, let's say growing up has a friend whose parents are like awful, you -hmm. know, it's like, like if this is his frame of reference, then, you know, he may be like, (laughs) well, Bobby's dad got him a yacht, you know? (laughs) So you suck, but it's, it's okay. Like it's, it's okay because I, I can also like, from a non-egotistical place, like uh, appreciate like what I'm doing and know that it's coming from like the best possible place. And it's not, it, it's not for any reason other than like, he, he deserves to have a better experience than like I did. Like he deserves someone really trying to be like their best for themselves and for him. And I, I know that I'm doing that. Yeah. That is awesome. I love that. I love, I've loved this conversation. Thank you so much for, for sharing and being so open with these. So just one last little thing before I let you go is what would you tell, what like little advice would you give somebody that's trying to set, that's starting down this path of setting boundaries with their family? What? I would say kind of what you said to me, like you're, you're worth it. Like you, you deserve to be treated with respect. And if you feel like that is not happening, like you don't have to write a 35 page letter and not talk to them for a year, the not talking to them for a year was not my thing. That was their choice. But like, start, start small. Like, even if it's like you're in the middle of dinner and your parents call and want to chat your ear off And you just want to sit and have dinner with your family, but you don't say anything because it's your mom. Maybe next time just say, Hey mom, like, I'd love to talk to you, but I need to chat with you later because I'm sitting down and I want to spend this time with my family, but I'll call you later tonight or I'll call you tomorrow. Just like just those baby steps. And when you start like kind of putting those boundaries in place, people pay attention But I also want to say that a lot of the times people don't like it. And when they don't like it, if they get mad, like, let's say your mom is calling and you tell her, hey, yeah, like we're just sitting down to dinner. Like I'm don't even say, like, can I call you back? Just say, like, I'll call you back tonight or I'll call you back tomorrow. 
And if your mom gets mad, pay attention to that because there should be no reason why she's getting mad. Mm-hmm. Unless like she's calling to tell you a family members in the hospital or something like that, you know, but it's like, <laughs> really, there's, there's no reason for her to get mad. So when you're implementing boundaries with people, like you are shifting like the dynamics of the relationship and a lot of people aren't going to like it. And so you have to become comfortable with people not being happy with you implementing boundaries. And ultimately it, you're doing it for like, yourself for your family to ensure that you're respected, your time is being respected, like your family is being respected. And I think that's really important to keep in mind because people are going to challenge them. And when you keep like, kind of like your intention behind why, why are you establishing these boundaries? I think it makes it easier for you to kind of dig your heels in the ground and say, this is how I feel. And I think too, if you're trying to do that, and you have a friend who has a similar issue, like kind of partner up, like have that accountability partner where you check in with each other and how are you, how are you doing? You know, but I think it's just those little opportunities, you know, your boss wants you to tells you without notice, like, okay, I need you to stay half an hour late today. Okay. Well, I can prioritize this first thing tomorrow, but I need to leave because I need to get to my kid or, I have plans. It doesn't matter if you have a kid, you know, it's just those little opportunities that I think many of us just go, oh, okay. Because we don't want to inconvenience the other person. We don't want to upset the other person. What about you? Like, are you being true to you? Are you respecting you? Because if you don't respect you, no one else is going to. It's my thought. I love that. If you have to, the respect has to start with you. I really like boundaries are you teaching how teaching other people how you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, I love they said they will pay attention. They might not like it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, it's, but it's also not your job to make everybody else happy. No. If you're making everybody else happy, where do you fall on that spectrum? Yeah. And as, as I like tell my husband all the time, I'm like, you are with you for the your entire life. Like you are the one constant in your life for your entire life. So shouldn't you be happy. Like, don't you deserve to be happy? Don't you deserve to like be respected? Don't you deserve to take care of you? Because even if you have someone taking care of you, like who knows what's going to happen to them? Like you need to take care of yourself because then you can show up as that best version to other people. Yeah. I love that. You need to take care of you because then you can be your best self. Mm -hmm. Give yourself the leftovers. Give yourself. Yes. (laughs) The first thing. And then everybody else gets a better version of you. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing all those wonderful insights with, with us. Um, pleasure. Yeah. So thank you so much for being here. And if you are interested in hearing more of Chrissy's wonderful wisdom, she has a podcast. Tell us just a little bit about that and where they can find you. We'll put it in the show notes as well, but Thanks. So the podcast is called Awaken the Extraordinary. It is available on Apple, Google, Amazon, and Spotify. And if you want to follow me on Instagram, you can find me at it's actually Christy, K-R-I-S-T-I. Awesome. And we will also put those that in the show notes because I don't spell. So I don't expect anybody <laughs> else to be able to spell either. 
All right, there you have it. We'll have ways to find Christy in, linked in the show notes, her Instagram, as well as her wonderful podcast, Awaken the Extraordinary. Thank you again so much, Christy, for being here. Thank you for listening. And remember that, yes, you are brave, brave enough to set boundaries, even if it's not comfortable. Have a fantastic day. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed what you've heard today, please leave a review down below and share this with anyone that you feel like could use a little more brave in their life. And if you'd like to follow more of my journey to be brave, you can follow me on social media and link down below. Have a fantastic day and don't forget to be brave.